Alright, the quote I'm going to start with today, Jeremy, is I breathe stories, I breathe them in and out There's nothing like the witness of a world that's being born I breathe stories My lungs are filled with pirate ships and towers built and towers falling down That's one of my favorite quotes And we'll talk about it more later But for (laughs) now uh, This is Above the Board Welcome to the latest recording. My name is Bradley. I'm Jeremy. Jeremy, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Episode three. Well, maybe. I mean, it could be episode four. Depends, right? Sure. I think the other one's going to be episode 2.5. 2.5, okay. Yeah. Which we'll talk about. Well, if you've listened to the, the second episode, which you should have if you... I mean, don't start with this one. This is a bad <laughs> one to start with. Uh, or start with listen, this one. Well, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Do you live your life? Uh, fucking, what was I gonna say? Um, what are you drinking? Uh, tonight I am drinking some Dosecchi's Amber. Uh, fun fact number fourteen from me. Okay, is that for the last four weeks I have celebrated Taco Tuesday. <laughs> So last night, whether I go get them at Taco Bell, last night I made them myself, uh, mm-hmm. or I go to a restaurant or whatever, I've just, I think it's just a fun thing to do. And last night, because I decided to make tacos, I went ahead and grabbed some Dos because it goes well with tacos. The what tacos you that you made, it makes sense, yeah. Uh, that's nice. I'm drinking um, uh, Modelo. Did you have tacos as well? No, I had a California burrito the other day. It might have been on a Tuesday. No, it was on a Monday. Oh, well, burrito what? Monday might be a thing. <laughs> Somewhere it is. At Maybe. some point, it's a, it's going to be a holiday, I'm sure. So today's episode, Bradley, you want to talk about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Storytelling in games media specifically. Uh, in the context of this, games media... Um, I'm thinking like board games, RPGs, tabletops, video games, that kind of thing. Not just limited to the most often used definition of games media that is just video games. I'm wanting to broaden the scope because I'm more the video game guy. I know you like video games, but you know, I'm. I would say I'm. I would. I would venture to say that I'm more into it than you probably are. I would agree. And the same would be said for video, board games for you. You know, you're more into that stuff than I am. Yeah, I would agree to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to find a common ground. Uh, talk about things that we're both passionate about. Because that usually lends itself to a good, fun, entertaining bit of media. Uh, so I guess I want to... I, I already told you my quote. Which, the quote itself um, is from a wonderful, wonderful piece of... Uh, it's from it's a wonderful song by um this lady named Lily Fafaro uh on YouTube. She is a huge fan of Critical Role, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yes. And the quote is the first line in a song that she wrote for um Matthew Mercer, who's the dungeon master of this 
incredibly wildly popular and successful uh, Dungeons and Dragons game ran by a bunch of to quote nerdy ass voice actors. It's one of my favorite things to keep up with on a week to week basis. It's the only thing I'm subscribed to on Twitch currently. Well, wow. okay. Um, which I I need to start subbing to more people now that I've got the ability to. I just I haven't. I'm a lazy piece of shit sometimes. So Does subbing mean subscribing happen. to? Yes, okay. subscribing. Okay. Sorry, let me let me rephrase it for your old ass ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna give that up. I'm always gonna I'm I'm gonna ride that scooter till the day I die. I got nothing to say to them. Good. So <laughs> she wrote this song, right? And it's a beautiful, beautiful song. I actually, um, I sent a text to you telling you to listen to it. You probably didn't because you're a busy man. But I I would definitely encourage you to listen to it if you get the chance. It's, I want to say like two and a half minutes, three minutes maybe. Oh, you're not going to make me listen to another 90 minute song? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I did listen to that though on the way home from work today though, that video. Uh, the song is very very good it talks about um, I mean like you said it's from Matt so it's kind of told from his perspective but as the song goes on it really kind of encompasses and becomes a anthem for any storyteller in any medium really so I thought it was really good um fitting on theme okay quote to start with so do you remember what the quote was do you need me to repeat it repeat it for me okay uh i breathe stories i breathe them in and out there's nothing like the witness of a world that's being born i breathe stories my lungs are filled with pirate ships and towers built and towers falling down which any critical role fan will recognize those little like call outs to parts of the uh campaigns Okay. Do you, when you think about video games and storytelling and video games, does your mind automatically jump to consuming that media, consuming that story? Yes, very much so. Okay. Um, I do realize that in, especially like the RPGs, the, Mm -hmm. my goodness, even Red Dead Redemption or GTA or Skyrim or you know, Destiny, all these different games, The Division, Mm -hmm. all these games that are open world and they have, there is a story there. And you are taking part in that story, but I don't believe that you, the user, are telling the story. You are, to me, it's like an open-ended choose-your-own-adventure book where you sort of have an impact over the story, but let's face it, it is linear. There isn't a lot. I mean, even Red Dead Redemption 2, there was, what, three or four different endings possible, so you had Mm -hmm. some control over that, but at the end of the day, the storyteller was the game designer. Yeah, I could see that. I do think... I think you're right. Like, 99% of the time, you're correct. Um... <laughs> I met Thanks. I met I met you're correct in this situation ninety nine percent of the time with video games you're you're following that story. Oh no, that's being edited that, differently. That plot line that the designer uh is trying to tell. But I do think there are video games that it's a jumping off point for telling your own story. 
Um, I watched a video recently by, um, I'm going to fucking butcher his name because I don't remember off the top of my head and I feel horrible because I really enjoy his stuff. Hold on, I'm pulling it up now. Um, but he was talking about Undertale. Have you heard of Undertale? I have not. It's this weird fucking, okay. The YouTube channel name is Super Eyepatch Wolf. Um, he did a video recently, um, or they did a video recently about, um, a small indie game called Undertale came out in, I think like 2015, maybe it was kickstarted for like, I think $5,000 was the goal. Wow. Ended up getting like 51,000 or something like that. Something crazy. And it just exploded in popularity. Um, it was all over the internet. It still is to this day. Um, and it has the story, you know, of the, the, um, you plays like the, the kid protagonist, I think Frisk. Gosh, I feel so bad. <laughs> I don't remember the name. I have not played Undertale. Um, but it, you pretty much you're you're playing the as this main character, and it's just like a generic, you know, RPG, very like minimalist, pixel art. You know, like I said, it's made for like fifty thousand dollars, and it was literally one dude making it. Um, and it has a story to tell where you're trapped in the underworld with a bunch of monsters, and you can go one of two routes, right? You can be a pacifist and not kill anybody which leads to a very wildly different ending than if you go either the genocide route, which um, is literally you kill everything or like um, an amalgamation of the two where, you know, you kill some, you save some others, you know, it's three main endings, right? Okay. But the story itself that's being told, if you go the genocide route, kill everything route, the no mercy, I think is what it's called. excuse me the story that's being told is that you as the player not you as the character or you as the player character but you as the player are um like just this fucking monster right so i think games generally yes you are being told and following a story by the designer but i think there are there's definitely room for you to tell your own story with games um in my opinion. But I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's it's still consuming. I mean, because at the end of the day, a programmer has to make some sort of a story. They can add a lot of different things sure. into it. And, you know, I think The Division did a, an amazing job. I mean, let's step back a second. So storytelling mm-hmm. is is a human thing. It's something mm-hmm. that, and it's very human. It's something that we've been doing since the dawn of man. People have told yeah. stories for religious purposes, faith-based. We've told stories for political purposes. We've told stories for historical purposes. You know, stories throughout time are a way for mankind to relate to one another, to wow one another. Mm-hmm. They're for entertainment. There's so many reasons and purposes behind it, and we continue to do this. While in the beginning, it may have been drawing a picture on a cave wall. Now you can, I mean, the uh, the total amount of media that is out there to be able to consume stories is astronomical. And yeah. furthermore, the amount of, because the amount is so large, you one can't consume everything. 
You just can't. There's, yeah. there's not enough time in the day to consume all that. So then you have to wonder what, one, what, if I'm going to consume it, am I consuming something that is unique? Is it different? The stories themselves aren't really that different. I mean, every uh, book, every book that's ever could have been written has probably been written. Like the stories are already there. Whether it's a love story, a war story, whatever it may be, there's very few new stories out there. But it's in the way that we tell the story that it becomes mm-hmm. unique. In video gaming, that's kind of what I look for. Because I realize that it's going to be a semi-linear story. I realize that I am mm-hmm. the consumer in that story while I do get to play a part. And that is the difference between you know, watching a movie versus playing a video game. In a movie, I'm simply watching somebody else's creation of the story. In a video game, I'm participating in that story. And that's exciting. Right. But there are games, and one comes to mind is The Division. Now, I didn't play the second one, but the first one comes to mind because I thought it was so unique the way they told their story uh, as opposed to sort of these cutscenes and and doing going through this process. It's an open-world game. I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with it. The Division was a pretty popular game. Uh, it was... I think some people are. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Just a few. Um, so I'm not going to go through. Look it up on the Google and um, Mm -hmm. so basically as you went around and uncovered different things you would find tapes and letters and there were bits and pieces of what happened that you could kind of piece together and to me that was such a unique way to tell a story that I had not experienced before and it made me very immersed in the story and I think that's the difference or at least that's the the exciting part of video games and storytelling. Okay. So kind of following up on what you just said about how, like the difference between video games and movies, the movie you're consuming, like purely you're being told the story, right? You're witnessing it. You have no say Mm -hmm. because it is a complete whole package that you are witnessing. But with a video game, you do have a part, you know, give or take, depending on the, the game. And I, th- I would argue that by being given a part of telling that story, you now take part ownership in it, But you're limited. in my opinion. I, I get that, but you're still limited. It's still linear. You're still – it's like an actor that I'm not arguing that's not linear. Yeah. It, I'm not arguing that. But you're like an actor in a play that doesn't really have autonomy. You can go left. You can go right. But at the end of the day, I mean, you think about most of these games. At the end of the day – you really don't have a lot of choices. You may have some choices in, I don't know, I'm thinking Skyrim, for instance. You kind of have a choice between which faction you want to belong to, and you sort of see a little bit of differences between the two. But if you ever went back and played the other one, it's the same damn thing. So do you think then, and I'm just trying to understand, I'm not trying to be antagonistic here. So do you think then that for a story to count as yours... You have to make the choices of what happens in that story. You have to have the insay. I think, I think when you're talking about being the author of a story, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. having the insay. It's constructing the story. Um, I'm gonna, okay. I want to pivot into RPGs because tabletop RPGs is something that this sure. is huge in, obviously. I mean, this is the reason we play RPGs 
is to yeah. sit around and tell stories with our friends. And there is a very big difference mm-hmm. between being a player and being a dungeon master. And there is a lot of contention in the industry over whose responsibility it is to tell the story, whether or not the player is a consumer or they they just sort of take part. And I think that's where video gaming and tabletop RPGs sort of run parallel because, but I think the difference is the video game has very limited ability to react to the player choices Whereas in a tabletop RPG, yeah, so we're in a tabletop RPG, that dungeon master, a good dungeon master or game master, they have the ability to pivot and and recraft that story to make it that you as a player have the ability to help craft that story more so than if you were in a video game. Okay. And I I would just add a clarification on there. Uh, when you say a good dungeon master should have that ability to pivot and craft the story around the the player's decisions, Mm -hmm. I would caution and say that um, a good dungeon master for the type of story and the type of game that the players, including the dungeon master want to play. Cause I have played in games that are very railroaded and very like, which, oh man, I shouldn't oh, have said that. Let's not start that again. <laughs> I shouldn't say that one. Uh, that, that have been, but have been very scripted and very linear and where a lot of the choices that the players make ultimately don't matter as much and that have still been awesome and great and really fun. And the opposite can be, can be said as well. I've, I've played with amazing dungeon masters and game masters who are just super fluid and able to roll with the punches of what the fuck the players throw at them. Um, but I, I do agree. I do, do agree that a good dungeon master will be able to um, pivot accordingly to what kind of game they're playing. That's the only caveat I would add on there. But I think you're right. I think, I think um, RPGs and games definitely run parallel there. Like you said, which is very, I, I love talking about this stuff and I can talk about it all day, but I did want to point out, um, we've kind of touched on all of these different ways to tell a story in games media, which again includes board games, RPGs, video games and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on some of these uh, and get your first reaction, just your first reaction to each one. Uh, so you can tell a story um, through chance, like rolling dice, playing cards, percentage dice percentages of success things like that okay um you can also you know on the on the other hand of that scripted like i said we we talked about this already a little bit uh you know so things always go a certain way you've got choice um you know you can choose which option you see that a lot you see that one a lot in video games you know option a or option b which depending on the game will have uh a wide array of differences on the total end story that you're going to be telling or being told, depending on your view. Yes. Uh, and then there's linear where you follow the plot line. You have to choose a single option. There's no, it's like a cutscene, you know, with a quick time event. Um, I'm trying to think of any game off the top of my head. I mean, God of war has a lot of that, but I don't know if any game you might've played that had any of that. Just linear storytelling. 
No, just like quick time events using that as an example. So what are your thoughts? Like what, like what are your thoughts on all those? Would you agree? Is there any more that I missed? Can you consolidate either any of those or? No, I think the linear storytelling is sort of a different, I think it's a, a higher tier of that hierarchy. I think that you kind of have the difference between, a, you know, you have mm-hmm. storytelling and then you have the linear storytelling and you have the uh, nonlinear choice. or choice. The choice. Yeah. And yeah. then when you get into the choices, you get into how are the choices being decided? Who's deciding the choices? Uh, and then yeah. even that to some degree, which in video games it is, because somebody has to program it, is there is still a linear aspect to it. It's more like if you look at a timeline, and and I'm sure somebody out there is listening and they're thinking, these two are idiots, they don't know these words. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, but when you look at a timeline, it's kind of like a fork. A fork continues to go straight, it splits out, and it goes into three or four times, mm-hmm. depending on your fork. But they're all still going in the same direction. Nothing is going any which way else. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're playing in something, again, like an RPG, a tabletop RPG, or you're telling a story, like you and I used to do um, chance-style storytelling where we mm-hmm. we implemented either uh, a group of tables with dice or we did use a, a specific RPG system and kind of crafted a little bit of a story starting with that within the parameters and the confines of that choice action system uh, yep. one of the rpgs that comes to mind is the dogs of the vineyard which i've been enamored with for i'm glad you brought that up years <laughs> years i've been enamored with this and i've i've started to build mm-hmm. one i've got one ready to go i've got a powerpoint on how to introduce it to people um, i was actually going to i had two different nights set up with two different groups set up but uh covid happened quarantine we uh, we already had the dates set up the groups were ready to go. Uh, I was ready to run it, and quarantine happened. So it just kind of went by the wayside. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I got to go back we and should, do it again. We should do that. We should we should do that. I mean, are you okay mm-hmm. with doing doing something over like over roll twenty? Yeah, like roll twenty. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be awesome. I I would love to. Right. I'd have to go back through right, and we'll reread it, it. But you know, and I I just. When I when I sit back and I think to myself, you know, what do I like about telling stories? Um, mm-hmm. I think that the thing that comes to mind more than anything else is, like we've talked about before, is it's kind of it's what we do. It's so innate within us that we have these these stories to tell, whether it be through music, poetry, board gaming, whatever. We have these stories to tell. We have these ideas to get out and maybe mm-hmm. it's just the way that we perceive the political the, the political system of today or maybe it's the way we see anything really out there just it's how we interpret the world around us and then yeah. put it down in for the rest of the world to see and hear yeah no i think you're right uh speak so um i was gonna ask which I, I kind of have an idea, but I want to just confirm. With those, you know, choice versus linear types of stories, like how the how those stories are told, um, which do you prefer? Which do you prefer to consume? Which do you prefer to tell? 
yourself? Um, as a consumer, it's definitely a mood base. Uh, if I okay. am, yeah, if, if I'm in a mood where I just don't want to think a lot and I am looking to sort of disconnect, then I want it to be a medium that doesn't make me think. Uh, and yeah. truthfully, there's TV is that for me. I don't think a lot through TV, but I typically only watch TV when I eat. Uh, I don't really like to sit down and watch a lot of TV unless it really captivates me. Then it's a different ball game altogether. While it is a linear story, obviously TV, there's you know you're halfway through the television show, it doesn't change on you. Uh, so right. there is an outcome that's happening. But it's how are they telling me the story? What's different? Again, we've, we've heard all the stories before. I love rom-coms. I love stories that have feelings, stories that have relationships in them. Uh, after my divorce, I found that I'm definitely a lot more emotional. I don't know exactly why, but I'm definitely a lot more emotional. So when I watch television or movies... your cold-ass heart thought out. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, but when I watch movies or television that deal with interpersonal relationships, whether that be father and son, you know, parent, child, child, you know, siblings, uh, whatever it may be, relationships, love interest, just when it's a deep relationship that is fleshed out, that is expressed somehow, I fall into that. Uh, case in point. One of my favorite movies of all time is A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. And the... Good this, choice. I love it. The scene in that movie where he's in the stocks and the Black Prince opens up his robe and you know, decides to knight him and he, he talks about, if I'd known nothing else, just the way your friends love you, that's enough for me. That's knightly. Mm -hmm. And it just, it gets me every time because it's like, wow, here we are in this, in this world and there's so much going on and that movie's fun and fantastic. It's just a cool movie. But there's that moment of just pure love and this, mm -hmm. this strong relationship. And when you take that, when you have somebody tell you a story and you can relate it, and I can relate to that. I can relate to what it feels like to have friends care about you. Or to be able to see yeah. somebody where their friends cared about them so much that they were willing to stand in front of them when they were being hurt in some way. Like that's, that's special. And mm -hmm. when a story puts that kind of special relationship on a pedestal and puts a spotlight on it, I'm all ears. I want more. And if you can give me the option to be able to interact with that story then – somehow some way and we can develop it further then i would be even more so into it but so have you ever encountered a video game uh or any other like board game or rpg or anything like that that has been able to elicit that same emotion from you no and i and i think i know why mm -hmm. i think the reason why it's it's harder to get that is the equivalent of why it's hard to have a horror board game because it's hard to immerse the player so deep into it that they they're connected to it in some way um right and i feel like because you have the ability to choose things we have this desire to be safe so mm -hmm. we make choices 
in order to not have to experience pain. And through pain is where we get real feeling. Maybe? Okay. I don't know. No, yeah, it makes sense. I, I will say um, similar boat for me as far as like what kind of story between choice and linear um, I want, I prefer to consume, which we're not really meant to be talking. We had a discussion about, we're going to be talking about stories that we tell as a, as that we produce, not as that we consume, but fuck it. Here we are. This is what we get when we wing, when we're on the wing here. <laughs> um, it definitely depends on my mood as well. I think generally though, if I want to, like you said, sit back, turn my brain off for a bit and just witness something amazing and beautiful. Definitely something that's more linear and something that I I love. I'm in the same boat. I love stories with great relationships and great character interactions in them, which I'll talk a little bit more about later um, for something later in the podcast because I have more questions for you and you're going to get put on the spot again. So okay. Great. Uh, but as far as like when you're, uh, when you are the one telling the story, do you prefer to tell a story that gives, uh, a lot of choice in the outcome or something that's more linear, that's more straightforward? Up to this point, most of my experience has been telling a story that is linear and I have complete control over. I like the idea of doing like an RPG. I haven't ran an RPG. And like I mentioned just a little while ago where we've done this in the past where we've used game systems and kind of told stories back and forth. I enjoy uh-huh. that. I think it's really fun. I just haven't had a lot of opportunities to craft my own. Um, I have mm-hmm. done them. I, I did last, I guess it was last October, I did an episode, or a Game of Dread, which is an RPG that utilizes a Jenga tower uh, instead of mm-hmm. dice to make those decisions. And that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I created the story. I let the char- the players create their characters. I sent them, uh, once it was about a house, it was kind of loosely based on Rose Red and some other things, um, the Winchester house as well. And I had gotten some house plans offline and went on Photoshop and I sort of changed the way the house looks and made it look like Mm -hmm. old pieces of paper, like they were old deeds and whatnot, and then sent them them each different versions of it so that the house looked different depending on the year that they went and got the records. Uh, I sent them, I found some, yeah, I found some like some old postcard type or um, not postcard, um, Oh, the old, I can't think of the name now, the Western Union. Um, the hell was that called? What What was that called? The, um, not the postcards, um, the tele, not telephone, where they would send it by Western Union. Help me out. What was that called? <laughs> that's some, that's some vintage shit, man. I yeah. probably wasn't even born then. No, none of us were, but it was like, it's like really old shit, like back in the Wild West days and whatever, in 1800s, a telegram. I had mm-hmm. found some old telegram pictures and then I just went on Photoshop and redid it. And then I emailed him, each of the players a telegram as the character who was sort of... So like even before they showed up at the game, 
there was already a story being told. We were telling it through email, but we were sort of corresponding. So it was like they got this telegram right. and like they got these different things that were happening. And, and it was fun. And I had a, I had a blast Sounds doing like it. it. Yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun. I remember you telling me about it. I remember you telling me about that after it happened. Uh, and it seemed like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Dread. I think it's a really fun uh, game. I actually, a thought came to me, a question came to me. So we talked a little bit earlier about you know how the story is uh presented between like uh chance or um scripted obviously dread would not be something that is necessarily scripted but it's also not necessarily chance either right cuz it depends on how well you can pull out a jenga piece which i would say is more skill right yeah i mean it's dex That's interesting I- yeah it there's obviously dexterity in play and you played two games with us right i think uh i think i only played one with you guys but i played another game with some guys in uh, oklahoma city did you play the prison one or did you play the frat boys one with us prison one okay so the frat boy one was the one where there was the weird thing where I pulled a tie or I pulled a block and put it up. I, everybody in the room thought the Jenga tower was going to fall over. I made a comment, mm-hmm. uh, just a little background here. Dread is played with the Jenga tower in order to make choices. You have to pull the Jenga piece, put it up on top and it has to, the tower has to stay. If the tower falls at any time, the last person to touch the tower or the person who caused the tower to fall their character is removed from the game. It's up to the game master and that player to kind of decide what happens, whether or not it's death or they ran away or whatever it may be. So as the Jenga tower gets bigger, the tension builds and it's typically done in horror. And we were doing one specific, but my character was jumping out, I believe to grab a gun and I pull it and a tower was ridiculously high. It was fragile. Things were getting really weird. And I pulled it up and it started to kind of move. And I just put my hand on top of it because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to tell my story. And I yelled to the group. I was like, tell my wife I loved her. And I let go and closed my eyes. And all I did was waited for the towers, to the blocks to hit. And all of a sudden I heard, oh, my God. You know, and then listening back, apparently the tower kind of weebled and wobbled and then just straightened <laughs> up and stayed. And it was like, okay, <laughs> all right. So in that kind of situation, you know, it's it's really exciting that the that choice that can be made. And it, you know, it's funny because it's the same thing in D and D where you tell that story and you roll the die and you get that that nat twenty or that nat one, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, all the momentum that was going into it either gets kicked up a notch and it becomes this grand epic thing. Or yeah. you get slammed right into a fucking wall. So yeah, I, yeah. Anybody who's played any sort of RPGs with dice, I'm sure they've had that kind of scenario where this, the stars align. Whatever deity may be up there looks down and smiles upon you and just nudges that dice in the perfect result to lead to the best possible outcome for that story to happen. Happens. So you know? so. I, it sounds a little bit like what happened with you and that dread. It was a little bit like that. It was, it was chance. It could have fallen regardless of your skill. It could have stayed up regardless of your skill. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's it is kind of exciting when you when you're playing it and in the moment of it, you know, you make stories with your friends and there will not be a time where we play dread with two or three of the people that were there that night that that story will not come back. And really that's the storytelling that I like more than anything else. It's not like I love the moments and I love going through the RPG, but it's when you have those big moments and mm-hmm. years later you're sitting around a table, you're drinking, you're talking, you're playing that game again, and all of a sudden somebody reminds you or remembers, oh, do you remember that yeah. time with that character? And it's like you go back down this rabbit hole and there's mm-hmm. laughter and happiness, and and that's why we do it. We do it to celebrate one another. We do it to to connect with one another and just overall just have a good time. So would would I be correct in saying then that when it comes to how a story is told – you prefer chance over scripted. I think so. I I think I would much rather be a participant in it. And Mm -hmm. so I would, and I'm not sure how far off this is going to go from topic, but when you talk, when you discuss storytelling and whether or not it's being scripted versus, being left up to chance, you can't tiptoe around, especially when we're talking about RPGs, you can't tiptoe around the the question and the topic of the difference between having a railroaded campaign versus a an open-ended campaign. Like, you can't. That is it, very true. Very true. So... Which, if ahead. you've been paying attention, that is... If you've been paying attention to us, uh, you can tell we've had a discussion about this at least one other time. Yes, like a discussion. Sure. Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot. So it's, it's, it's not a touchy subject in the sense that like we're going to get pissed off at each other. It's just it's a subject that we want to save for its own potential, like at least one podcast. We could have many podcasts about it, though, or many podcast recordings about it. Yeah. Um, but you're right. We, we, we're tiptoeing. We can't really tiptoe around it. So I'm going to time us. So state your case. So I'm, I'm not. I'm Go. not even gonna. I'm not even gonna state a case on it. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna continue to tiptoe around it. What I'm. <laughs> what I would like to do though is I want to jump again. Um, mm-hmm. Call me the jumper. There is a board game. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. <laughs> there is a board game called Gloomhaven. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't heard of this game, I highly recommend it. They actually made a smaller version of it. I believe it's available at Target and Walmart called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Uh, this game is phenomenal. It was the most funded. The Frosthaven, which was the sequel to it, or I, I don't know, it's connected to it somehow, but it was the most funded Kickstarter of all time. Mind you, not the most funded Kickstarter board game, the most funded Kickstarter. Multi-million wow. dollar board game, okay? So I have the original Gloomhaven. I think it's great. I helped kickstart that one. I think it's a fantastic game. It's fun. Uh, I haven't gotten to play enough of it just because I have a lot of games, so it just sort of falls by the wayside. But it has a mechanic in it. It's mostly a dungeon crawler more than anything else. There is a story to it. You do have choices, and depending on what you do, things unlock and don't unlock, and it has that sort of legacy element to it. Great time. Mm -hmm. But most of it is a... Holy shit. What? $13 million? Yep. Yep. Most funded Kickstarter of all time. 
And I believe it beat out, um, hold on, I think the second most funded one was the card game Exploding Kittens. Jesus. Which, that one isn't because the game is good. That's because the people that did the Kickstarter for Exploding Kittens are absolute geniuses for Uh social networking and and social media. Like, just positive geniuses. Um, And I just found this out recently. But... I digress. So the first, the first, I'm I'm still digressing. <laughs> so, the first one, Gloomhaven. Yep. It raised three hundred eighty-six thousand from mm-hmm. fewer than five thousand backers in twenty fifteen. Yes, and then it uh, re-released. And then yeah, Frosthaven. Well, well Gloomhaven, her- Gloomhaven re-released on Kickstarter. So they did their first oh, run. I see now. Okay, yeah, I was just glooming. So yeah. well, Frosthaven, the follow-up to Gloomhaven, has become the highest-funded kick- tabletop yep. Kickstarter to date. Raising almost thirteen million yep. with eighty three thousand backers, crazy yep. dude. Yeah, because I mean it's it is that good. These games are that good. But what's interesting is it's the way the combat mechanics work. You don't roll dice. Mm-hmm. You have a deck of cards, and it's it's um, connected to your character. So every character is but the unique. Cards are shuffled, right? They are. It's it's a hand of cards. So you have a you have a deck of cards for your character. So each character has a different type of set of cards, even uh-huh. to the point of how many cards they can have is different. Some so are it's still chance based, though. It's yes, yeah, it's chance based. But here's what makes it unique: is your card has two sides, a top side and a bottom side. When mm-hmm. you play a side. One side goes into a discard pile. The other side goes into a trash pile. When you exhaust your hand, you can pick up your discard pile, shuffle, and play again. Uh, When you trash your cards at the end, basically when you exhaust all of your cards, that's when your character is exhausted and you have to leave the battle. Or you're dead. Uh, I think most of the time, though, in Gloomhaven, you're not actually dead. You're exhausted and leave the battle um, somehow. So it's unique because you, you're constantly balancing that idea of, man, I want to use that bigger power, but I don't want to get rid of this card. I don't know if I have enough power in me to keep going. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very unique game. It's, it's very unique. And Sounds like it. Yeah. So while you're doing that, there is sort of this player-enacted storytelling that you're doing. Um, uh-huh. Because... Just like in D&D for the player, when you roll the dice, you can tell the story about what you're doing and what you're not doing. And the same thing here. You lay the cards. You just have a little less freedom, I guess, than if you had an RPG. But I was more intrigued by the card play. I thought the card play is really cool. Okay, yeah. I like that. It sounds cool. Next time I'm uh, back in Missouri, we should play it. So we've, we've talked a little bit about, and by a little bit I mean a lot about, uh, different types of stories that you can tell uh, meaning like is there a choice involved is it, is it linear all that stuff and then also how the story is told with a game of chance or is it scripted like a cutscene mm-hmm. um, which I know we we both listen to this guy named Matt Colville. Or do you still listen to a lot of his stuff? I haven't really consumed anything from him in quite some time. Uh, I might when I'm in the mood to 
create and go down the RPG thing. I just haven't mm-hmm. really had any any desire or really I don't have anybody that I could do an RPG with. My old yep. roommate is gone. Uh, I never really could sync up with them. And I haven't been able to talk to any of those guys to to start doing it again. Although I, I have wanted to I'm I'm really just rambling at this point. Go ahead. Matt Coville. <laughs> I have a habit of just taking over this the is whole what damn conversation. This is what happens when we're winging it, man. I know. Matt Colville, um, really smart dude. Uh, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know where to begin with his accolades. He's done a bunch of game design, both like with uh, RPGs, board games. He talks a lot about, you know, RPGing and stuff. And I don't remember where I was going with this. I don't either. Well, guess we're going to have to cut it out. <laughs> Ripped it. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I I had a really good... Where was I going with this? So we talked a lot about the, you know, the different ways a story is told and can be told uh, and consumed. And we also talked about how those stories can be told, whether it's choice or scripted. But I wanted to pick your brain and kind of throw you under the bus a little bit here. And the, prover- the proverbial bus in this sense would be uh, throwing you on the spot in a live recording. That's all right. What, um, what's your favorite board game to tell a story with? Mm. Um... Can, do you think you can tell a story with a board game? You can... But again, it's a lot like. And sorry for the I sake of this. The, I, for the sake of this, when I say board game, I do not. I, not exclusive to games with like literal boards and pieces. Like yeah, I would include like card, card games, party games, things like that. Yes, I understand. There are games, and in the first podcast we talked about Gloom. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that one has storytelling. I'm not going to go back down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, we have there's a game called Above and Below, and then the predecessor to that, Near and Far. Both okay. of those games sort of have storytelling involved in it, but mm-hmm. the stories are already crafted. So it's sort of like the video are, games, then. Yeah, it's it's a book of stories that when you make choices, you roll some dice, and then it takes you to sort of what story you're going to hear, right? Uh, which kind of tells the overarching the overarching story to the night. Okay. Uh, I don't know that there's any board game specifically, board or card game specifically, that I, I would say I really really like telling the stories. Deception Murder at Hong Kong is a cool one to tell stories with, but yeah. again, it's like I said with the RPGs, the stories come later. Yeah. It's, it's regaling the tale of the night we played and what happened during that time. It's a, it's almost like when you're when you're playing an RPG or you're playing a board game or card game, mm-hmm. you are creating the story to tell that story later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, I somewhat agree. I somewhat agree and I think when you hear my answer uh, you're gonna, you're just gonna ride back to your, your earlier argument, <laughs> because as okay. I'm thinking more about it, um, 
so when I I really like the game Monikers, which I've mentioned in the past, I believe. Mm-hmm. Fan, yeah, fantastic game. Really great game. Quick overview in case you don't know what it is. You, um, you and everybody else at the table splits into two teams. You get drawn. Was it ten cards? Mm-hmm. Um, you with and each card has um, a term, a phrase, a word, a person, a place, a thing, whatever it is. It's pretty much like apples to apples um, type cards. You get no, drawn, it's right? nothing like apples to apples. Apples to apples type cards. That's what I'm saying. It's just a deck of cards, but okay. Apples to apples has the words on it, right? Yeah, yes. It's cards with words. <laughs> Whatever. So anyways, you get drawn these words. You, fuck you. You get drawn these cards, right? You um, discard five of them. You keep five of them. You make one big communal deck with a bunch of these cards on it. And you just go around the table, uh, switching from team to team. You have a minute. And when you pull the first card from the deck, you have to try to get your team to guess which card you have, what it says on it. You cannot say the words on it that are on the card, like at the top of the card. Um, so if like your card was like Billy Joel, you can't say Billy or Joel, obviously. Um, I don't know why I thought Billy Joel as <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind. Um, and that's the first round. It goes until all the cards in the deck have been um, successfully guessed. Uh, each card has a point value. Uh, more difficult cards are worth more. And then the second round, you can only use one word instead of any words you can come up with. Third, and you do the same thing. Third round, same thing, but you cannot say any words. You can only make sounds and use um, lecture rates to get people to guess it. Monikers is probably my all-time favorite game to play to tell a story for that meta reason that you mentioned. Because you are sticking with the same deck of cards and you see each card over and over again, you're building like an almost like a like a communal stand-up comedy session with your friends. You know, there's a lot of callback humor. Um, you have a lot of uh, inside jokes. The story itself is not anything that's happening with the cards because it's not like Gloomhaven where you're connecting, or not Gloomhaven, Gloom. Uh, it's not like Gloom where you're connecting each card to each card. Um, the story that I would argue is being told is that communal stand-up comedy session. And that's what I love about it. Uh, because I mean, how many times, you know, after all these years or whatever, Haley and I will still be like synergy, right? We know what that means. We we understand that. So, oh yeah, it it definitely is like one of those things where you're talking about earlier with uh, telling the story to retell the story later. Um, it's like that. It's just like a meta. It's a meta story, and I really enjoy it, and I I love it. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on with that. I, I really like Monikers as well. I think it's fun. We ended up buying another deck of cards because we had played it so much. We kind of went through the cards. Mm-hmm. And it's a super easy game to get into. It's really good to get with other people. Um, but yeah, again, it's it's the story after the story. You know, you're you're just, you're crafting it. And when you're having these moments and you're in the middle and experiencing this, you... You tend to, in the middle of these games, you're invested in the game itself, not in so much trying to create the best story. Mm-hmm. You're invested in the experience. Yeah. Then when things happen, 
that's when you can go back and you can tell these great stories. Cranium is a good example. We that's still true. tell the story about you and Fragile. <laughs> it still uh, cracks me up. Um, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was a really good charade actor. Okay. It, oh, it was fantastic. Once we knew what the hell you were doing, but <laughs> you know, it, it, looking back, it's like I've played a couple of times with D and D. I've had some good times and I've had some bad times, but there are a couple of those times where there's a group of us and we get together. That's those stories come back up mm-hmm. inevitably. And other people who didn't get to experience it have mentioned to me, oh, I can't stand it when you guys talk about that. I've heard it so many times. But yet it seems like every time we talk about it together, it's almost like it's the first time we've experienced it and we're experiencing it all over again. Yeah. And and that's kind of what good storytelling does. It takes you back to a place where you can relate to it and you know, when you're watching a movie that you can really relate to or when you're watching a television show or you're reading a book or you're playing a video game that's relatable, you go back to a place in your mind that you make a connection with and you feel an emotion. So when you create a story in board gaming or tabletop gaming, you go back and you tell that story with your friends again it's like watching the movie because you've already created it. You've already mm-hmm. filmed it. You've already written it. Now you're just retelling it. You're having, it's a lot like, you know, we sitting at the water cooler talking about the latest edition of whatever TV show is, you know, insert current TV show that everybody's watching. The water. Uh, co- I think that'd be the Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah, of course. I think that's definitely the one right now, but have you watched it? all? It was, yes. So yes, I'm up to date. Don't worry, no spoilers. Uh, We're not going to talk about it. But, yeah, that's a different podcast. Go watch it. Go watch it. It's so good. But it is. And but see, there's a, just storytelling. Once again, I mean, there is a world that was invented 43 years ago. And uh, 50, right? No, 77. The, the first one came out. Yeah, 77. Right. 43. Um, right. So 43, 44 years ago, this story came out. And now people are still utilizing that world Mm -hmm. to tell more stories. And I think that's what's exciting about uh, TV and film, that media, or even books. I mean, you think about how long ago did Tolkien write Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, those stories are still being told today. Mm -hmm. Reimagined, that world. I mean, some would say that because of Tolkien, D&D exists. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it just stories do so much. Yeah. Biblically, stories were a way to tell the the history of the world. Uh, stories were a way to hand down how people should act and how uh, the Judeo Christian God interacted with its people. I mean, you could look at the Bible a lot of different ways, but one way to actually look at it is you can look at it as a story about the Jewish people's lives and how they interacted mm-hmm. with their God. And that's amazing. And, and when you look at it from that aspect, that it's a this big storybook, regardless of your faith, if you look at it like that, there's so much to learn from it. Yeah. And I think that with, with a lot of books and a lot of stories, I mean, we've we, we told stories about gods and we've told stories about uh, how 
the sun came about and how animals came about. We've just been, we've been, like I said in the beginning of this, we, we are creatures that tell stories throughout life. And we're not going, that's never going to change. Yeah. The only thing that's going to change is how we do it, the medium that we use. Yeah. So um, you mentioned, you kind of mentioned naturally RPGs, which is where I was going to go next. Um, obviously, I have a little bit more experience than you with telling a story through RPGs, but I still want to give you the opportunity to uh, throw something out there. Um, same question for RPGs. What's uh, what's an RPG that you really enjoy and that you think is the best, your most favorite way to tell and craft a story with? You already know the answer to this question. <laughs> is it the same as mine? Uh, mine's Dogs of the Vineyard. Let's say that... Oh, well, I was, we're going to say it at the same oh. time. Count down. It's going to be cool and funny. But it's mine as well. Yeah. It's mine as well, 100%. So why? What? Which is weird, right? You, you think it would be D&D, right? No, I don't. I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Why is Dogs of the Vineyard your favorite? Better yet, do you want to describe Dogs of the Vineyard briefly? Can you do that in about 30 seconds or less? Oh, man. Uh, I'll try. So I don't remember really anything about the setting itself. I remember it was made by Adam Coble, right? No. Right? Was it not? No, he just did a one-shot of it on Roll20. Oh, okay. Well, no, never mind then. It wasn't made by... <laughs> it wasn't... Sorry, uh, let me look it up. Okay. Sorry, Dogs uh, of the Vineyard designer. I'll jump on it. You describe it, Okay. Dude. So, Dogs of the Vineyard... I really like it. I haven't played it in a while, though. Dogs of the Vineyard is an RPG that is based in the the turn-of-the-century Great West. Uh, mm-hmm. Think Think Mormons... Is it but like the in the vineyard? Wild West. Is it of the dogs vineyard or in the vineyard? Of the vineyard. Oh. Dogs of the vineyard. Uh, each player character is a group of what we call dogs. And you are tasked with, you're, you're basically brought to this bigger environment or this kind of like church town. And you, you're selected and you go through all this training and then your role for the next couple of years of your life between the ages of 18 and about 25, mm-hmm. you travel with a group of dogs going town to town to help flesh out the sin that's in those towns. Yep. And you are given the authority by the God of light. Um, that's the God in the storyline. But you're given the authority by the God of light to be able to cast out demons um, even to the point of killing people if you need to. And there's right. a great, in, in the handbook, there's a great story that kind of explains what they are. And it, it goes something along, I'm going to butcher this, but it goes something like this. Uh, Zachary is in, uh, I think his name is Zachariah, but Zachariah is at, his, at the town and he's a young man who's been causing trouble. The warden or the the preacher or whatever they are, it's kind of like a mayor but he's a, he's a pastor as well. They sort of take over the town. He's been working with Zachariah to try to help him out. Just really believes in him. He's been praying to the God of Light. You know, you've put me in charge of him. I'm going to help him. And Zachariah just doesn't stop. He continues to make mistakes. And he continues to bring sin upon the town, and therefore kind of bring the curse of the God of Light upon the town or the evil one. Mm-hmm. Finally, the dogs roll in. They go up to the person, or they go up to the warden. They ask him, you know, what's going on. He tells them. 
the dogs go out, they find Zachariah, they bring him into the middle of the street, and they execute him. And then they walk back in, and he says, you know, I don't understand. The God of light was supposed to do this. And the dog looks at the, the uh, reverend. He says, you know, your job is the branches. My job is to save the tree. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you can imagine, like, that's the character that you are. So I, I always envision it like Clint Eastwood meets, meets Sam and Dean Winchester. Like, that's how I envision this story. <laughs> it honestly, uh, and it just excites me. The first time playing it, it reminded me of this really great book by um, this author named Ted Decker. Have you ever heard of him? I have. Um, have you read the, I think it's called Showdown. I have not. Uh, read that book. It's good. It's a good, good book. It's a good series. Um, but it, the when I first played Dogs, it reminded me of a part of that book where you have like the the um, the preacher coming to town to fix it of all of its sins. And it's just, it's such a fun story, but Mm -hmm. what I really like the most about dogs is the dice system. Yes. And, and how that plays in and how it grounds the characters to the setting and how it, um, informs how you as a player, as a player character interacts with other characters. It's just Mm -hmm. fucking amazing. I don't remember the terms off the top of my head, but you essentially have, four main stats right mm-hmm. yep. um which kind of each focus on one part of uh your character's aspect so you like you have your physical um stat you have your uh your heart your i'm trying to remember is that the heart mm-hmm. you know that you know the stats what are they yeah, I, I don't know all four of them. It's been a while since I went back through. Um, I'd have to pull it up again. But yeah, it's it, it's just four stats that encompass the four main aspects of your character and your drive. And mm-hmm. your dice pool as you create your character, instead of like a typical RPG where you have a number-based system, mm-hmm. in this one, you get a set of dice that basically become that. Uh, what's yeah. interesting about the dice play in this is you're not telling a story, then rolling a die and hoping for an outcome in order to finish the story. In this one, you roll all your dice together, and there can be a lot of them. Uh-huh. You roll them all together against an opponent's dice, and then two dice at a time, you sort of gamble away your dice, yeah. trying to best one another. And in my opinion, and I haven't played a lot of RPGs, but in my opinion of the ones that I've seen, this one is 100% about telling the story with the people you're playing with. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And and that's what's exciting about it because it really does create a lot of tension. It's not so much... If you think about it where it's not just about throwing out the die you know it's not about oh i'm gonna take my sword out i'm gonna stab you i roll my die up i hit a 16 does that hit you yeah it hits me cool um i stab you through the stomach how much damage do you take whereas this one is each piece of that how you grab the blade all as 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 micro or as macro as you want to go with the storytelling you can do even down to the whether so, or not you're breathing or thinking about someone, it's amazing. Yeah. So feasibly, like, so with typical RPGs, you know, you have, which I mean, going to use Dungeons and Dragons because that's what I have the most um, experience with. That the start of a combat or a situation that needs to kind of be broken down into dice rolls, you have your initiative, right? And that's what mm-hmm. then kicks off to the players and the GM. Okay, we're now 
starting this combat or this scenario with dogs it the initiative can start anywhere it can start right up until you reach for that gun at your hip or it can start as you're about to pull the trigger or it can start when you kick in the door to the saloon you know it it can start anywhere and then it progresses from there with your dice mm-hmm. rolls it's just, it's just so fun. I I highly recommend to anybody listening. Like if you ever play any just one RPG, find yourself a group to play dogs with because it is so fun. It's um a yeah. huge inspiration for my own RPG system that I'm working on. Um, I don't think I'm going to be doing like a poker style bid type system, but it's definitely a huge inspiration for me. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, it's it it is fascinating, and I. It, Something about it that really excited me when I first got into it and started reading more and more about it is, like you said, it's the macro and the micro. Mm -hmm. You kick that door down, and it could be the difference between, do I want to punch them? Do I want to shoot them? Do I want to yell at them? Uh, Am I giving them a look that causes fear in them? It, It just, you can really tell the story step by step by step. And just create these very interesting moments. Case in point, I did a quick little one with Haley once where we ran some dice and she was shooting a free throw. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a free throw or it was like the game point. I mm-hmm. think it was a free throw. But there were situations where it was like the player plays themselves acting out something. The DM plays against them in some way. Whether it be the situation. So in that situation, you know, in basketball doing a free throw, I was she was playing the person trying to make the shot. I was playing the environment and the emotion within her, that inner turmoil to not allow her or to let her make that shot. Basically mm-hmm. that ang- that anxiety. And when you first hear that, it's almost like, Why why the hell would you want to play that? Like what what could be fun about that? But walk yourself through the steps of you know, taking a, everybody has probably seen somebody shoot a free throw or have done it themselves or seen it in a game. It can be a high tension moment, and being able to sit there and say, "Okay, you know, you're you have this dice. Why do you have that dice?" And on your character sheet, the reason why you have the dice that's that's what your character sheet did. It isn't you don't have willpower ten, you know, constitution twenty. You don't have anything like that. You have. In her case, it was, I have um, my father's appreciation or my father's approval or something. That was a die of a certain number. Mm -hmm. And she has my lucky sock. That's a die of a certain number. So when you throw a die, you can go back. It's like, well, because my lucky sock is on me, this is why I'm I'm doing this or I feel good about it. And meanwhile, your palms are sweaty. You look over and you see your dad staring at you. Yeah, if you say your knees are weak or spaghetti, I swear to God, I'll hang up. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but no, there was there was a moment where it was like, you look over at your father because I knew that she had uh, a thing with her dad on the dice on her sheet. Mm -hmm. So it was you look over at your father uh, right before you shoot, and he just puts his head down. Oof. You know, yeah. So it's like this tension of. Is he even proud of me? Mm -hmm. So now she has to, does she want to accept that as the story and put dice that are valued less than what I put out there, meaning that she's accepting that, like that is the truth in this story? Or is she going to up the amount of dice because they're already rolled? Is she going to take two bigger dice, put them up there and say, 
but he lifts, you know, but I know he's proud of me. That's what he does. I know that. Or is it going to be I put less dice down there and it's he's disappointed with me again? Like, that's what I think is so fascinating about that game. Um, you know, we what we ought to do is we ought to figure out. I've never played on Roll 20, I don't know how that would go about, but I would like to do that. Get a couple of yeah. people and do that. If you could figure love, out how to stream it, that'd be awesome. I would love to do that. I've, um, I mean, obviously we'll let you run the first one, but I want to run a dog style system, but cyberpunk, dude, that'd be sick <laughs> as fuck. Are you playing cyberpunk? No, I am not. My Surprising. PC cannot run it currently. I need to upgrade it. Do you, um, don't you have also, an Xbox too? No, I sold my Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard it was not great on consoles. But anyway, yeah, apparently they've offered refunds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CD Projekt Red, man. So going back to dogs, um, if you aren't at a point where you can play it, highly recommend checking out um, a one shot ran by Adam Coble on Roleplay. It's got Matt Mercer, um, it's got JP, Jerry Holkins, Austin Walker. Great, great. Uh, I think it was like four hours overall split into a couple parts on youtube um yeah, got like a free afternoon even, it's good yeah it's good and stuff. you can even go back and watch adam coble create the uh thing he does it he did it live mm-hmm. uh over youtube and let people kind of build it up um yeah it's good it's good jerry whatever the hell his name is from penny arcade his excitement just makes me happy yeah he's so excited throughout the whole thing yeah, um, I think uh, they, and then, which this is a discussion we can have another time, but it's, um, I remember they were talking during the uh, character design of that role, that one shot, they were talking about how they're playing, uh, you know, online versus at the table and how like Jerry was, I think it was Jerry who was like, yeah, this is fun. This is not how I thought it was going to be. This is, this is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff. <laughs> interesting stuff. Uh, do you have anything else to add about dogs? No, that's that's about it. I want to play it now. Hmm. I'm reading their Wikipedia page right now. Um, so I was going to say, uh, I found the designer. I apologize. D. Vincent Baker. It was published by Lumpley Games. Check it out. Now, there is, there is a video out there of him playing the game. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as dynamic as the one with Matt Mercer in it. Uh, and truthfully, it's... That game is more like watching a group of people play the game that you and your friends would probably have. But I want to caution anybody that decides to go down that road and watch it. Watching a group play an RPG Mm -hmm. is not the same as playing an RPG. Yes. It's just not. There's an investment when you're in it. When you watch the Matt Mercer one, recognize that you are watching true, literal professionals at RPGs. Yes. Um, other than, uh, well, Adam Cobill is is a professional. Matt Mercer is a professional. JP at this point, I would say that's probably his full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy, his job is the Penny Arcade, which is still entertainment. Yeah. Um, Matt Mercer's other job is a voice actor and has done a shit ton of work. I mean, he's yes. been in what, like four or 500 film, four or 500 different pieces. Yeah. So, so it's... Yeah, when we say go good. and watch it, definitely... Watch it in the lens of like one, they're like you said, professionals, but two, like 
when I suggest that, I suggest it so you can see how the system works and how the game, mm-hmm. how, how Dogs in the Vineyard um, is as a game and the storytelling aspects with it. Not necessarily like, oh, look, you can do this too, which you might be able to. Who knows? I mean, I don't know you. Yeah. You could be a professional voice it's... actor, which if that's the case, shout us out <laughs> on Twitter, baby. Get us some of those followers. However, here comes another tangent. I'm going to leave you with this. Storytelling is a right of all humankind. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to find your voice, whatever the medium may be. You can tell a story in a painting. You can tell a story in a book. You can tell a story in your songs. You can tell a story in a podcast. But I encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast... Something about it is interesting. Something inside of you wants to create. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on episode three. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage each of you that are listening, find something today or tomorrow. Find some inspiration. Use your imagination. Get creative. Yes, and I think that's probably a good point to end it. I do have one more thing I want to talk about, though. <laughs> and by talk, I, I have one more quote I want to say. Right. We are power, we're devotion. Love each other with abandon. We are rivers, mountain cities, and the tapestry that holds them. My heart is in the brushstrokes of the world that I have written, and my family breathes my stories. My love is etched in continents and seas. That's all I got. It's pretty same uh, same one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's the last line. I'm telling you, dude, that song is fucking amazing. Yeah, I'll check it out after this. It's so good. Until next time, folks. Yeah. Keep your conversations happy, light, and above the board. Uh, Bye. I'm still recording. Okay, I'm done now.